Good morning, Fellowship family. It's great to have you here. What a wonderful day Sharefest was yesterday, wasn't it? We had 1,600 people show up to uh, 20 different locations, 30 churches. That's an all-time high. 30 churches all around Topeka gathered together. I don't know where you serve, but uh, I serve down in the Oakland area. I'm going to share a little bit more about that in my message. But thank you so much for serving. You know, we're getting good at this generosity thing. We've given away 10% of our food. We've given 10% of our clothing, and we didn't even miss it. And then yesterday, we gave four hours of serving. Think about that. Serving the 501 school system, as well as other ministry sites in our community. I want to thank you for doing that and for being a generous group of people. We really show how much God is generous with us, right? Which is our whole series, the flow of everything. And we've seen that God is not only the source and sustainer and the giver of everything. He's also someone that when it hits our lives, there's, there's, there's something that happens in us, right? We want to be generous with everything God has given us from, from the gospel to his goodness and his character to everything that he's given us. And that's what this series has been. This is our final week in this series. And I want to kind of share the vision with you of what could happen if we all joined together and were generous. Because Sharefest did that, didn't it? It showed us what could happen. Amazing things can happen if we join together and are generous. Now, I want to kind of give you a picture. And we've been talking about rivers. Last week, we talked about the Jordan River. This week, I want to talk to you about the largest river in the world. It's the Amazon River. And as I think about the Amazon River, it's it, uh, at the mouth of it, 55 million gallons of water pour through it per second. Per second. It's uh, 12 times greater than the Mississippi River. Uh, it's greater than the next seven largest rivers combined. It begins in Peru at one-fifth the flow and finally discharges into the Atlantic. It's the largest drainage basin in the world. Over 2.7 million square miles, roughly 40% of South America drain into, drain into the Amazon River. It pushes fresh water out in, in a plume, miles out into the ocean. Far beyond the sight of land, ships have been known to drop a bucket over and pull up fresh water in the ocean. I want you to think about this, and I want you to keep the Amazon River in mind, and I want you to keep that image on what God could do with us. I believe God could form an Amazon River in this church, through this church, out into our city and around the world. I really believe God has us in a place where he could use a generous church. God doesn't call us to be a wealthy church. He calls us to be a generous church. And so whatever God has given us, he wants us not just to live with the perspective of who he is, but in the practice of living in light of who he is. We can be people who see that he's the owner and giver of everything. We can be people who even get it. I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. But until we practice it, until we practice it, we're never going to experience what it's like to be generous. I want to talk to you about practice I want to talk to you about obedience, but I want to ultimately show you what could happen if we all obeyed God at his word and were generous. And I want to share a story of Jesus that pulls it all together. And while Jesus is teaching the truth, he shares four pictures of the human heart. 
And they're shown in four different types of soil. Mark records it to us in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, open up there to Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Now, Jesus is ultimately going to show us how we react to everything he's entrusted to us, from the gospel to his goodness to his gifts. And I want you to think about that. Because the goal of everything that Jesus flows into our lives is that ultimately we will bear fruit and we will be a blessing to everyone around us. Keep this in mind as we read this passage. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Jesus starts teaching. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain. Growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold. And sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And then he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Does everyone have ears this morning to hear? Yeah, what does Jesus mean? That's exactly what the disciples asked him. Lord, what are you teaching us? What does this mean? I mean, we get it. We see that all the time. We walk on a path, we see the rocks, we see the thorns, and we see the, the field. What does this mean? Well, jump with me to verse 14, and this is where Jesus explains what he means. He kind of unveils what he's actually saying in his teaching. Look at verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. Boy, that's something God has given us, the truth of his word. Verse 15, and these are the soils along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but look at these three things that happen to them. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and they choke the word. But those, uh, and, and it proves unfruitful, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. <clears throat> what does this say about everything that flows through our lives? Well, it says this is the goal of everything that comes into our life. First goal is this, that we accept it. You see, the only soil that is held up to be like us, that is really the good heart that shows the life that God wants to entrust more to, is the heart that is open, that is teachable, that is learning, that is available. And just as that good soil accepted the seed, we're to accept what God has given us. And we're to thank him for it. We're to be content with it. We're to keep our lives free from the love of money or the interest of anything else. And we're to accept what God wants to plant into us. Do you realize when you came to Christ, you accepted what God has done for you? 
You didn't say, okay, I'm here because I'm a good person or because my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. I'm, you're not here because you go halfway and God meets you the next halfway for salvation. You're here because we need everything to be done for us by God. By God. If we're going to be saved, if we're going to be forgiven, if we're going to be made righteous, it's only through the completed work of Jesus that we're saved. So when we come, we accept the truth about ourselves. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. And we accept the truth about God. He loved me. He lived for me in Christ. He died for me on the cross. And he rose again on the third day. Everything he's done for me, I accept. So whatever it is, whether it's Jesus, whether it's his character, we have to accept his character and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And even the financial blessings, our abilities, our giftings, our energy, we accept as a gift from him. If I don't accept what God has done for me, I can know about them, but I haven't taken that step of faith where I've accepted it. The goal of everything God flows through our lives is that we'd accept it. We'd say thank you. We'd, we'd agree with him and we'd receive it. Secondly, the next goal of it is that we'd come alive to it. There's something about a seed when it hits soil and it hits sunlight and water and it comes alive. I mean, right now, that might be happening in your backyard gardens. You've planted some seeds, and all of a sudden, it comes up. And, and it's just that moment of celebration. What is it about the human heart that when something starts growing, you go, yes, this is, this is why we did that. This is awesome. God loves us to come alive. That we don't just see what he's done for us, but we get it. We understand it. And we live it. We come alive to it. And then he wants us to grow. That's the third thing of everything that flows into our lives. He wants us to grow in it. That means that we're deepening in our understanding. We're deepening in our practice. We're deepening in our generosity. We're deepening in sharing the gospel. We're not just saying, okay, I did that when I was younger, but now I've earned the right to live however I want to live. No, we realize, we view our lives as strategic in the kingdom of God and we grow in the goodness and the greatness of who God is in our lives. He becomes more valuable to us. He becomes more of a treasure. If you're here and you're over 60 and you follow Jesus for a while, Jesus needs to be your number one treasure. There's no competition, right? Because you've grown in it. Grown in it. Now we're all works of pro of in progress, right? We're all growing in this area, but God wants us to grow. Just as you celebrate with when your child grows, when your child has development, God celebrates when his children grow and develop in him. Because ultimately, he wants us to bear fruit. Whatever he entrusts to us, he wants us to bear fruit. Look at the number that he was talking about there. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Those are big numbers, right? Because God wants us to bear fruit. He wants us not just to bless us in our lives, but he wants us to be a blessing with people around us. Because his de desire for us ultimately is to bear fruit. Are we bearing fruit with the gospel, the greatest gift ever given to us? Are we sharing it? Are we seeing it take root and, and take life in people around us and them starting to grow and them starting to bear fruit? Are you seeing the love of God grow in you, come alive in you? And are you sharing that love with others? Are you seeing what God gives you financially or what God gives you in energy or in time? Are you seeing that bear fruit in the lives of others? Or are we just consuming it all? 
It's a good question because the goal of everything God gives us is for it to bear fruit. Just like a seed hits the ground, is accepted by the ground, becomes alive, activates, and then grows and bears fruit. That's exactly what everything, that's the flow of everything God gives us. Because it's God's will. It's God's will that none of us is robbed. That's the first group. Remember the seed falls on the path? Satan immediately comes and steals it away. Wow, that's really a picture of it, right? It's a picture of faith that we actually do have an enemy, an enemy who is against us, not for us, an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy anything God is laboring to do in our lives. And we need to realize that. This is not just a personal preference. This is a spiritual battle within us. And in our American culture, it really is. What is stolen from us when we don't trust God? What is stolen from us when we don't obey the will and the way of Jesus in our lives? And here's this seed thrown on a path. It's hardened. When's the best time for seed to be stolen? It's, it's when it's first planted. Because then it could never get a root. Once it has a root, once it starts growing, my goodness, once it comes alive, look out. There's just no stopping it. But if you can steal it before it's planted or steal it before it takes root, you've got a good thing coming. When's the best time for you to be robbed of what God wants to bless your life with? It's before you believe. It's before you give or are generous. Because this side, before you can even see who God is and see who you are in his plan. But until you give, until you are obedient in that, you'll never know. That's why if you're on this side and you watch ministry happen, but you don't support ministry and you aren't engaged in generosity, you can be skeptical. You can claim, oh, that's just organized religion. You can claim, yeah, but look at their numbers. You know, their numbers aren't real. And you're very skeptical on this side of generosity. But on this side of generosity, when you actively are giving, I don't hear people going, man, my life is such a bummer. I've lost it all and I gave it all to God. And my life is toast now. I'm so disappointed and I'm so discontent. You don't hear that on this side of generosity. Why? Because the seed, the seed accepted, was accepted by the soil. It took root and came alive and is growing as bearing fruit. So this side of disobedience, really just that's, you're not ever going to get a heart because it's stolen away. We're like, don't let Satan steal away the joy of generosity in your life. God's will is that no one falls away. This is the second, this is the second group. And, and this is the group where the seed fell onto rocky ground. And here, uh, Jesus says, these are people who, when the word is preached, immediately they accept it. Immediately they respond to it and they receive it with joy. But what happens? They didn't get rooted. They didn't go deeper with God. And so when tribulation or suffering or uh, trials come, immediately they fall away because they took no root. What kind of people are this? What, what kind of faith is this? This is faith that wants Jesus to make your life better, but you really don't want Jesus or to follow him. This is the faith that wants Jesus to, to make your life happy and that God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And, and really, this is wanting Jesus to make, to, to be your servant, to be your genie. And when life doesn't turn out 
to your dream, when you go through a difficult time, you easily fall away because you've not been rooted. How many of you have held on to the hand of Jesus when you went through a trial or suffering? And, and I mean, it totally, whether it was a diagnosis or whether it was a crisis or a death, you just go, whoa, where did this come from? And there was the initial thought, God, where are you? Do you really love me? Do you really care for me? My life stinks now that I'm following you. It's not this blessing that I've been t- sold or, or thought about. And you've just had to hang on to the hand of God and trust him no matter what. When you did that, this side of trusting God was, was faith and deepening of your faith. You're now people who have a much greater capacity to hang on to the hand of the Lord through future trials or suffering because you held on to his hand before. That's how God deepens your faith. His will is not that you fall away when things get tough. His goal is for you to hang tighter onto his hand. And then finally, it's God's will that none of us are choked out. And if we're honest, we look at this passage, I think this best represents the American culture. A culture that chokes out generosity. It's a culture where as seed is planted into it, just like Jesus said, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. Other things besides Christ, where he's no longer our treasure. They will choke out faith every time. Every time. Are we hurried? Are we busy? There's more options now if you're raising a family than there ever has been before. I mean, when I was growing up, it was just Little League Baseball. We had one game a week, and that was it. And, and we all got a, you know, a slushy at the end of the game. That was it. We all went home, and no one really cared if we wanted. Now we're competitive. I mean, now we're over. If you really love your kid, you'll go to this thing, and you'll travel on the weekend. You'll do all these things. And so instantly it becomes this massive preoccupation of living our lives through our kids. And we are buying into it. And we are hurried and we're busy and there's always one thing to do and there's always one more dollar to pay to make that happen. And it is robbing us of the joy of generosity because we get to the end of the month and we go, where did it all go? Where did it all go? I mean, I make good money. Where did it all go? We ask that question. Things can choke us out. The deceitful riches of riches can choke us out. The belief that one more thing, one more vacation will make us happier as a family or more effective as a family. One more experience will make me one, you know, a better person. One more car, one more house, one more clothing item, whatever it is. If we believe that lie, it will rob us. It will rob us. We live in a culture that has every current dollar and future dollar planned for everyone in this room, if we let it choke us out. So we've got to be willing to say enough to that. And we need to say, no, I need to, by faith, trust that God wants generosity in my life. And I'm willing to follow him. And I'm really willing to be a blessing. I'm willing to liberate my life from slavery into debt, from the overwhelming nature of having every dollar spent at the end of the month. And I'm going to make a choice. Because here's God's picture. It's God's goal in us is multiplication. It's not subtraction. It's not that the seed of whatever he entrusts to us is taken from us, is choked out, or falls away in us. It's multiplication. Take a look at that. He said 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. 
Let me do a quick experiment here. How many of you were here when Fellowship Bible Church was planted? Just raise your hand. Anyone? We got one. We got one in this room. Okay. Is that you, Tammy? Okay. Tammy, Tammy uh, Pogue was here, and they were one of the planting families. And uh, there were about 40 to 50 people who started meeting in uh, Rick Tagg's home as Fellowship Bible Church was planted. And then after a while, they moved to different schools in the area. And then they moved to that church on, they built that church on 17th and Indian Hills. And that group of 50 people endured and went through the challenging first five years of a church plant. And, uh, they grew. They doubled in size. And, uh, I came when they had doubled in size. And, um, God has grown us from there. In 2012, Fellowship Bible Church experienced 30-fold. That 50, the group of 50, grew to 1,500 in 2012. Now think about that. Now that came as a cost. That came with great sacrifice. Because that group had to endure church changing and different systems changing, different strategies changing. Some of you who have endured through that have gone, yeah, it has. I mean, it's a church where I no longer know everybody's name. I struggled with that. I struggled not knowing everybody's name. I used to stand out the front of our church when we were 100 people and go, hey, good to see you, Bob. Good to see you, Joan. Good to see you. And I would know everybody's name. I used to serve communion going, Rich, this is for you. Ken. This is for you. Dia, this is for you. I used to be able to serve like that. But then it went over the waterfall. And I went, hey, you, this is for you. (laughs) And I felt like I was losing something. But what God was doing, he was growing our church beyond me, right? He was growing it beyond my mind. Because God's desire is multiplication. And it required all of us being generous to make that happen. We're coming up on 60-fold as a church. We're coming up on 60-fold as a church because God's desire, and it's the greatest blessing in the world for God to entrust us with people because every one of you are priceless. Every one of you matter to God. Every one of you are a treasurer to God, so much that he gave his only son to come and live, die, and rise again from the dead for you. We're a church that's blessed, and we're experiencing this multiplication that Jesus was talking about there, but it requires us to be available and open to accept what God is doing here, to come alive to it, to grow, and to bear fruit in it. And so Paul would say to the church in Corinth, he says, but as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in your love for you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Uh, He was talking about that in in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 9. And what I want to kind of share with you now is what opportunity, what's our reality as we think about what's happening here at Fellowship? I just mentioned that we're coming up on 60-fold, the the original of what God planted here on the southwest side of Topeka. But I want to kind of share with you, and we gave you a a, a little handout here that talks about where every dollar goes that's given here at Fellowship Bible Church. And I want to share that with you. So if you take out that little handout, uh, I'll just run it through, and we're just going to Turn it like a circle, like it is. And I, I couldn't cut them out. Are you okay with that being square, but it being a circle? 
Some of you OCD are just struggling right now, but hang on with me and just rotate it. All right, let's take a look at the first part of it. And our largest thing right now is facilities and grounds. 33% of our budget goes to that. Do you realize if we could pay off this building, we would take roughly 15% of our budget and move it to outreach? 15% of our budget. That's where it's going. We have responsible debt for this building. Our elders said we'll never borrow more than twice the amount, or excuse me, not twice, half the amount of the building. So whatever this costs, we we borrowed half. And then we'll never borrow more than double our, our yearly budget. And we thought that if if we were a regular American family, we went to a bank and we said we'd like a loan for a house, we'll put half down, and we don't want the total amount to be greater than double our income. We think any bank would offer that. That was responsible debt. And so that's what we did. And, uh, and so uh, that's that amount right there. Outreach is at 24%. 24 cents out of every dollar um, it goes to outreach. Ministries and, and places outside here in Topeka and around the world. Our children's and family ministry gets 12%, and that's nursery and student and children ministry. Do you know we have a 1,000 from nursery through high school every week that come to fellowship? That's such a blessing, and we believe God is endowing us with that. Our average age here at Fellowship Bible Church is 28 years old. Do you know what the average age in the church in America is? 68. 68. So I absolutely love that, that God has blessed us with young people. I love that. Uh, administrative costs are at 12%, and, um, and then we have uh, worship, which is everything to do with our, our weekend worship services and the salaries and the tech arts team that we have. Uh, then discipleship is everything with adult ministries, men's and women's, singles, all those ministries are in discipleship. But this is basically a picture because when you give here at Fellowship Bible Church, you're helping us with our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a way that we give of our time, our energy, our finances to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. I want to just share with you of what could happen, what could happen in an opportunity where God God could use each and every one of us to join with him and give more. Do you realize five years ago, we did exactly the same thing. Five years ago, we, we kind of shared, hey, whatever you give in May, and May's not a glamorous month, by the way, because there's graduations and things are busy and church attendance kind of levels in May. It's not one of those spike months of giving like December or, or August when everyone comes back from the summer. So if this is going to happen, it really needs to be an act of obedience in each of our lives. But whatever we give in May, we're going to use to plan for what we're going to do in our give, in our spending throughout this next year. And here's the difference five years ago made. Five years ago, what people gave in May, we planned, we paid off all the debt to that old building. We paid it off. Five years ago, we opened up and we doubled the amount we were giving outside of our church. We went from 10 to 20%. You know where that took us? It took us to places like India, where we're supporting now over five pastors there, where we're building four churches this year alone. We went to places and to people. We went into deeper partnerships 
we've, we've been, I mean, God has taken care of whatever people by faith gave. And we decided we're not going to spend this on ourselves. We're going to spend a certain amount, but every amount over that was going beyond us. And we're literally in places we would have never gone if people weren't generous. Do you know what could happen today? What could happen today is what could happen yesterday. Yesterday, I showed up at Oakland, and I was ready to serve with ShareFest. I had my ShareFest t-shirt on, and I show up, and uh, there is a ton of people there. There's cars parked all around the center, and I had to walk two blocks to get there. And um, I, I show up, and Ryan Wynn looks at me, and there was this look like, wow, you're more than we need. <laughs> and there were people standing around. There were people inside and people outside the community center there. And he said, okay, Joe, and he's very deliberate. We have too many people here, so I'm going to let you lead a team, and I want you to go and knock on doors, and I want you to finish out houses in this community. And so that's what we did. We went on knocking on doors of houses all around that where they were working. And one guy named Tim said, man, I've been really dealing with some health issues. I haven't been able to get at the yard. We would have never known that. We knocked on Tim's door. My group of 12 showed up and we did a landscape over overhaul for him. There were, I mean... There, it was the Amazon in his backyard and we chopped it down and we cleared it out and there were things growing on his fence that were lifting the fence up and we redid that. We changed out his edging. We put in mulch. We cut his grass. Um, we, we did as much as we could in that time. I actually got to meet this guy. He was on my team. His name was Word. What a great name, isn't it? If you're pregnant, Word is a great name. Because whenever people were kind of wandering, I said, hey, guys, listen to the word. And he would talk. He was from Mount Carmel Missionary Missionary Baptist Church. And uh, he goes, hey, how you doing? Most enthusiastic guy. And he started asking me questions. What do you do? What church are you from? I said, I'm from Fellowship Bible Church. How many do you have on the weekend? And I kind of said, well, I shared a number. And he goes, what in the world? How could we be like your church? And we started talking, and I realized he's an associate pastor there, and he needs some help on how to move people into membership, move, move people into ownership in their church. And I said, I can help you do that. Do you see what just happened? We went to four different homes in that neighborhood, and we would have never gone to those homes if we didn't have more than enough. Surefest would have been awesome, and we had a group who really did a great job at that place we were at. But when we had more more people were reached. That's the reality of what God does with more. Joe, you don't know what God's going to... I don't know. You're going to determine what God does. God has plenty of work for us. But do you realize, I believe, I really believe this. I think we are at the place and the point as a church and in Topeka that we are on the cusp of a major spiritual awakening here. I really believe that. I see God working in ways he hasn't in the 15 years I've been here. And I really believe we're on the cusp of it. If we're open, if we accept what God has given us, if we let it come to life in us, and if we allow God to grow and bear fruit in us. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you with a jar of seeds. Because this weekend, God has made a jar of seeds in this room. And these seeds have potential. 
In this jar, they've, I've had this jar of seeds for 12 years in my office. And it's an image of the potential of our congregation. But we have to be planted. We have to come alive. We have to grow. We have to bear fruit. And it's going to require every one of us to make a decision. How do we do this? Let me just share four ways. Number one, accept where we are and what God has given us. Accept it. Quit looking around and thinking what, what you don't have and thank God for what you do have. Say, God, thank you for everything you've given me. I accept it and it's enough. I'll live on enough. I'll live on it and I'll give from it. Secondly, activate generosity. If you're here and you are not giving regularly, let me just encourage you, give regularly. How do I do that, Joe? I made that easy for you. Take a look at the other side of this, and it shows you different ways to do it. I'll just be honest. 60% of our congregation gives online recurring gifts. It's the easiest way to give, and it's the most faithful way to give. Why do I say that? Summer's coming up. If you're not giving regularly, you'll give based on how often you're here. And we're open 52 weekends a year. We do ministry 52 weekends a year. We spend resources 52 weekends a year. We need faithful givers who give so that we can plan on you for the next month. Whatever you give in May, I'm encouraging you to give every month from there on out. So we can plan for this. And we can be a church that's united together so that God could form the Amazon through us. And then once you activate generosity, grow in the grace of generosity. I'll be honest. If I'm going to ask you to sacrifice, some of you are living on more than your income. And so this will really be a sacrifice for you to start being generous. Do you realize my wife and I have been having conversations on how we can increase what we give here? What will have to be sacrificed for us to give more here? It's going to require that. And I would encourage you, if you haven't reconsidered how much you're giving, re-look at it. And see where God has you and how you can be generous with what he's given you. And then finally, expect God to bear fruit in your life. I really do this. I I have never had a moment where I have sacrificed to advance the kingdom of God in my lifetime. Where I I have regretted it. I've just not done that. I've made a lot of bad investments in my lifetime. But I haven't in giving to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to think through that. But it's going to require all of us to trust God more than we trust the next thing or our financial security or whatever God has given us that we have made our God rather than keeping him as the one and only God in our lives. Expect God to bear fruit. He will. It's already happening around us. Join in what God is doing. I got to go this spring break to see my parents and they're out in the desert in Southern California. You may have heard of... um, the story of the drought in California, and you've had those pictures of the drought, the reservoirs that are empty and the boats that are on dry land and all that kind of stuff. Well, this year, this past winter and fall, I mean, Southern California just got deluged, and all the reservoirs are overflowing, and now they have flooding. And something happened in the desert southwest that's never happened since the past 30 years. Uh, land that was barren and that was desert and that was brown or light tan came alive. I remember I took a trip up the mountains in Palm Springs area and uh, came across this. Look at that. The whole 
mountain erupted with life. And there's flowers and it's green. And what the biologists said is they said there were actually seeds that were in the soil and stayed in the soil for 30 years and never got rain. They never got rain. So they were just waiting there. And when they got enough rain, the water saturated the mountain. They went down. Guess what happened? The water hit the seed. Life. And it grew. And it bears fruit. Can I ask you a question? What if you're that mountain? Is there anything in your life that needs the watering of obedience before it comes to life? I've got to ask myself that question. Is there anything I'm holding back? Is there anything I'm saying no to with God that has the potential to bring life to people around me? That if I would just trust God and obey him, fruit would be born. I look at everyone in this room and I see seeds waiting to take root and to bear fruit. And I see a mighty river of generosity flowing out from us into our city and around the world. God has brought us to this place. He's not called us to be wealthy, but he has called us to be generous. And we can't be generous without giving. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the image of life, of fruit, of joy, of blessing. When, when we're generous, we get words like, like we've experienced this weekend with ShareFest, fun and joy and love and friendship. Lord, we thank you for everything you have blessed us with and now may we model, well, may we model your generous heart and desire for our lives. It's in the name of Jesus and for his glory that we praise you. Amen. We're going to celebrate.